Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for Friday the 13th? (laughs) In this year of 2020... Should we even be scared of Friday the 13th anymore after this year? Yes, very scared. With this year and this date. It feels like every day has been Friday the I 13th. I might be going home right away. Welcome to Gwen and Chris, everybody. 3.01 is the time. Happy Friday to you. Friday the 13th to you. Uh, was that Halloween or The Exorcist? We, it was, we've been it, having a discussion about this all afternoon trying to figure out which is which. It yeah. was The Exorcist called Tubular Bells, if you're curious. I, I would say if you have some time tonight, play the two. They pretty much they are, are really a, similar. Very similar. One's a little higher pitched than the other. A little yeah. bit faster, yeah. Exorcist came out in about 1971. Something like that. And then uh, Halloween followed about 10 years later. Yeah, what, what or were, seven or eight years what later. Were you guys, uh, what were you guys on in the 70s? Because you would have thought of, of that kind of craziness at that point in the 70s. I mean, you got a head spin. You got to ask, you got to ask William. Peter Blatty. Yeah, William. He's the guy who wrote The Exorcist. So it was a book before they turned it into a one of the scariest movies. Demon of all Possession time. has not been. It's nothing new. So o- over the years, there's nothing been lots new for movie stuff. Yes, but the Halloween. I remember people telling me that that movie was extremely scary because it was about a guy who got into houses and stuff while you're babysitting, and that freaked everyone out. I enjoyed that movie. Uh, for the most part, you had a pretty good prank played on you. I had a very good prank played <laughs> yeah, on me. Great. At the very end of the movie, the uh, character uh, in Halloween, what's his name? Michael Myers. Michael Myers comes walking into the room with a sheet over his head and sunglasses, dark sunglasses covering his eyes, and then just a white sheet carrying a big old knife, chasing after probably Jamie Lee Curtis, who was on the run the entire Laurie movie. Strode. By the way, She's still on the run. Laurie Strode. Yeah. and. Uh, I looked over my shoulder, and my uh, next-door neighbor, teammate of mine, Dave Renkowski, had uh, worked his way into my apartment <laughs> and uh, was wearing a sheet and dark sunglasses carrying a butcher's knife. And <laughs> it gave me a start, I must tell <laughs> sure you, for just a moment. Because uh, that, that, the Halloween is the kind of movie you can just kind of... You can really get engrossed. You can definitely get engrossed. So anyway, uh, hopefully you'll get engrossed in today's show. we got a good one lined up for you. Dennis Paulson, the uh, former PGA star and San Diegan, will be on the program at the bottom of this hour to talk about the Masters. We're going to talk plenty about day number two at Augusta. Uh, John Boggs, uh, Tony Gwynn Jr.'s agent, 
uh, will be on the program to talk baseball stuff with us in the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, we've got all of our regular stuff, including our Week 10 Fantasy Football Draft. I'm the uh, defending champion. I'm the only champion because we started it last week. And uh, I'm just throwing that out there because you callers will be allowed to call in at 6 o'clock and pick your favorite player. Uh, Last week, uh, uh, what was it, T-Miles? No, no, no. His name was Tiny Mel. Tiny Mel. Yeah, I called him Tiny Mel. Was the first caller, and he chose Scraby's team, which turned out to be a mistake because Scraby did not win. And then the second caller called in and chose Tony's team, which turned out to be a mistake because Tony didn't win. And then the third caller, which was, I believe, Brian last week, ended up stuck with me and swears to this moment that he was happy to be stuck with me. I I believe the only selection left. But uh, Brian uh, and I carried the day, so Brian ended up uh, qualifying for that Las Vegas trip. You'll get your chance to do that in the 6 o'clock hour this evening. It's a historic day in Major League Baseball, Tony Gwynn Jr. It is. Uh, It really is. And uh, all kidding aside, the Miami Marlins hiring Kim Ng as their general manager, making her the first woman ever to be hired as a general manager in Major League Baseball history, also the first Asian-American. So uh, I saw that very early this morning. And, uh, look, uh, with things that are going on in our country right now, we have our first women's uh, vice president-elect in Kamala Harris. And uh, why not have our first general manager and she's she's rather qualified super for the position qualified. right super qualified yeah do you know her did you yes. ever meet her when yes you were with the uh, dodgers? she was uh in the dodgers organization yeah as i was coming into it and mm-hmm. uh she was uh the assistant general manager for ned coletti uh, yeah so i said i'm sorry i want to interrupt myself and you and if scraby wants to talk i'll interrupt him her name is actually pronounced ang right. I, I said ing so i want to apologize for that. no uh she ang. She, um, this was a long time coming. Her her name had, had popped up mm-hmm. uh, uh, quite a few times for, for this same position at other sto- other spots, but uh, didn't really materialize. And then you didn't really hear from uh, Kim. At, you didn't hear her name Right, very she wasn't often. in the hunt for her there. She wasn't, yeah, she wasn't, wasn't being talked about. But kudos to the Marlins for, for taking that first step. They're certainly getting somebody who's more than qualified and, uh, she knows the game. She knows the game yeah. uh, as well as anybody in the game right now. So congratulations to Kim Ang and uh, look at the Mar- She takes over a team that it's not a bad spot, right? That seems to be on the rise. I mean, they just come off a, a year in which they surprised everybody. I don't care if it was a sixty-game season or not. Right. They still had no business being there. At least, at least we so we thought. And you know, they end up with the manager of the year. Bunch of young talent coming up. So. I think it's a good landing spot, too, for her. So, you know, hopefully uh, she has a lot of success there, you know, except against the Padres, of course. I thought John Morosi, uh, who I don't normally think has great tweets, uh, actually had a great tweet on this one. He says Kim Ang has three World Series rings, uh, which is pretty good. Uh, she made eight postseason appearances as an executive. She was an assistant GM of the Yankees and Dodgers, then spent a decade in the commissioner's office Objectively speaking, she has one of the greatest resumes of any first-time GM in MLB history. And that's probably pretty accurate, right? I mean, getting your first job as a GM, and she's already accomplished all of that. Just look at some of the names that have wanted to bring her on or or recruited her. Brian Cashman. He's been 
the GM for the Yankees forever. My I, God, it seems I, like he's the only GM they've ever had. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I mentioned Ned Coletti already. Uh, she worked in Major League Baseball office uh, underneath Joe Torre. So she's got a lot of experience. She's interviewed for the general manager job for the, the Mariners. Here in San Diego, she interviewed the Angels, the Giants. So uh, it took... Four looks like five tries, and then finally on the fifth shot, she she gets to she gets to the nod. So, let me uh, ask you something about being a general manager in Major League Baseball right now, because I mean you've got obviously AJ does a fantastic job here in San Diego, and Andrew Friedman with the Dodgers, formerly of the Ray. But I'm bringing all these names up. It seems like all of these are young people, and it seems like all of them are basically guided by the analytics of baseball now. And I just wonder if there's any room left as a general manager for you to kind of have your own thought process. Do you know what I'm saying? It's almost as if everybody is being governed by the same rules in Major League Baseball. You want this type of player. You want this type of at-bat. You want this type of pitcher. You want this type of defensive alignment. You want this type of manager. It's interesting. I, I wonder if the job of general manager isn't sim- kind of being like plugged into a position now rather than allowing a person to actually think their way through the job. I, I think it just depends on how you look at it. It depends on how you're using the information because the reality is analytics has always been a part of the game. Uh, we, we've just gotten better at it. Right. right? So yeah, it's just uh, bigger you're just it's it's as as my uncle Chris used to tell me time and time. Chris Gwynn. It is it is a piece of the pie. It's not the whole pie, and you'd be making a mistake if you're not using it to your advantage. Now, every team seems to be a bit, little bit little bit different, right? You look at uh, the Washington Nationals. By all accounts, they're considered old school, but I promise you, they use analytics just as much as everybody else does. Their GM just uses it, maybe uses it a little bit different, yeah. maybe doesn't use it to the same extent that some of the other guys use it, and. That's really what it boils down to. Analytics are here to stay. It's just a matter of teams that let it overwhelmingly make their decisions in terms of on the field, off the field, and teams that use it to make a decision that they have or to back up a decision they've already made. And, and that's really how it should be used. It's it's a piece of the pie. And uh, I think See, I, I agree think it, with that. I think it should be used as a piece of the pie. I just wonder how many organizations are actually allowing it to be used as a piece of the pie rather than the entire pie itself. Yeah, I mean, listen, there there's definitely some teams that use it as the entire pie. There's, <laughs> I don't think there's any getting around that. But uh, I also think it also depends on what the mark, what kind of money you have to spend. If if you don't have a whole lot to spend. Analytics is your best bet, right? You, yeah. you, you, we've seen it work with Tampa. And, and for the other teams, I think a team like the Dodgers, they use it not like the Nationals that have big payrolls. I think they use it as a tool because they, really they have, have to use, they it, use yeah. that luck. They have that luxury to use it as a tool. But they basically just can't make any mistakes or as many mistakes as a franchise like the Dodgers or the Yankees can make. Kim right. Ang saying today, my goal is now to bring championship baseball to Miami. I would laugh at that notion, except for the fact that, as you said, the Marlins are up and coming, and they do have two World Series championships to they, their credit in do. franchise history, That's more which than is some more than most say. teams have. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe Kim Ang can get it done down there in Miami. Congratulations. Really a big day, I think, for Major League Baseball. I did not want to overlook that. Uh, definitely get into the Masters here in just a second. Get you caught up on all your favorite golfers, Tiger Woods, uh, 
uh, did not finish his second round today. There's plenty of golfers who still have some work to do in the second round, but uh, Tiger's still in the hunt. He didn't have a great day. Uh, not a bad day, though. Uh, two birdies, two bogeys, so he was even for the day. He's four under for the tournament. He's five shots off the lead. Unfortunately, there's 20 golfers ahead of him before he could get to the lead, but uh, Tiger Woods certainly not out of it. The guy who might be out of it, though, is Bryson DeChambeau, who was the biggest uh, guy talked that about man. coming in. He's at plus one right now, uh, did not finish his round today. Right now the cut line is at even or minus one, so he's going to need to do some work tomorrow morning just to make the cut. I mean, that's that's a colossal failure for a guy that was the odds-on favorite to win the thing. That His mindset doesn't work well here at the at the Masters. It's not, it, it's yeah. not built for it, right? He can drive as much as he wants. But if he's not hitting fairways or he's hitting it over the fairway. Or losing or, it in the trees on the, every other hole. Not even the trees, just the rough. I mean, he hit a regular drive. Or he didn't win a regular drive. He, he hit Regular a, for him. It was a, it was a bomb yeah. that landed in the rough that, you know, the, the TV caught, went in the rough. And they could not find this ball. This is the second straight day he had a search party. At least yesterday's search party was up in the trees in the woodsy area. This was just in the regular cut of the rough, and they could not find his ball at all. So he had to take a penalty today. Yeah, you know one thing that I uh, think about with Bryson DeChambeau, he's tied for 61st place right now, so that's how far he has to go to get into the hunt. But uh, when I think about Bryson DeChambeau uh, losing his ball and having these search parties, it makes me think of he's used to playing golf with a ton of fans surrounding the course. So if he drives one into the into the trees, there's still usually fans everywhere. Right. And some fan can go, hey, your ball's right, you know, right over here. But they don't have anybody on the course right now. So these guys are like we are when we lose our ball. You know, right. Have you, ever, have you ever hit your ball? I mean, I know you've done this. I've done it many times. You no, know I've done it. But I'll ask Gravy. Have you ever hit a shot right down the middle? I mean, you feel it's perfect. Yeah, everything was right. Every you look time. at it. T- yeah, whatever. <laughs> every, uh, every time all right well this doesn't happen every time but you hit it right down the middle it's out there a couple hundred yards you know you're in great shape drive your cart up there can't find it oh that's the where's worst. my ball all that's the, the worst and, and literally some guy all the who's over in the rough is hitting his next shot and you're like okay hang on a second my ball was right <laughs> here in the middle of the thing here come on where'd it go and if can I can, do a PSA real quick now that you're on this? I would love for you to for, do one. For a PSA on if you're golfing and you don't know if it's your ball or not, please do not hit it because I can't stand it when I know that someone's near my ball and then they hit it. Please make sure you know which ball you're hitting so you can identify the ball before you hit it. And there's so my I'm PSA. not, I'm not even saying that somebody hits the ball. I'm just saying that somehow the golf course eats the ball which is whenever I hit a perfect shot. You yeah. know, I mean, when I hit it into the rough, I can find it. A, it must be because I have a lot more experience looking for my ball in the rough <laughs> than I do looking for my ball in the middle of the fairway. I think that's, that's the only answer I have. That to applies that. to me as well. Yeah, I, so. I, I just recently started being able to drive the ball straight to the point where I actually want to go back. Because I tell you what, they say, you know, all it takes is one shot. You keep. If you're not driving the ball anywhere near the fairway and you're constantly looking for a ball, mm-hmm. there is no shot in the world that makes you want to come back and play golf. No. But once you start doing that, I can kind of see how that applies to everybody. Somebody explain to me also why I can easily find my ball when I hit it in the other fairway <laughs> next to the one I'm supposed to be in. <laughs> that I can find my ball over there. 
I just can't ever seem to find my ball when it hit into my fairway. Uh, the four-way tie for the lead right now, Abram Answer, uh, Cameron Smith, a couple of guys I don't know a whole lot about, and then a couple of guys I do know a lot about, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson, uh, all four, nine under par. In uh, They all finished their second round today. So minus nine is the score right now. Uh, Tigers sitting at minus four. Phil Mickelson had a great day. My goodness, minus five. Mickelson, uh, and he finished up. Brooks Kepka, you'll be happy to hear this, Scraby. He moved up to minus five, so he's in the running. Xander Shoffley still on the course at minus six. So it's still wide open heading into the weekend at the Masters. All right, week 10 of the National Football League kicked off last night. Phillip Rivers, uh, with the pressure on, I thought turned in an outstanding performance. We'll talk a little bit about the Colts and the uh, Titans. And uh, also, uh, we're going to have some stuff from Glenn Hoffman coming up in the program today. Glenn Hoffman was on the morning show today. The former, now, Padre third base coach getting ready to move into the front office. We'll hear some things that he had to say, but probably some football and uh, who knows whatever. Uh, Tony Direction wants to take it when we come back. 316 is the time. Welcome to the program. I'm Chris Ello along with Tony Gwynn Jr. and Mr. Scraby. On a Friday, the 13th, 2020 style. My goodness, that's uh, it's enough to make you shudder here on San Diego's number one sports talk station. We are 97.3 The Fan. Let's kick. Three twenty-two on the clock. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello. It's Friday, y'all. Everybody gets to move into the weekend after, of course, you get done listening to Gwen and Chris. Uh, this hour is brought to you by Smart Investing. Tune in Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock uh, to 97.3 The Fan. You'll be listening to Smart Invest, The Smart Investing Show by Brent Wilsey and Chase Wilsey. Wilsey Assets Management is one of California's leading investment firms. They will educate you on the best financial moves for your investments. You will discover one of the smartest I mean, smartest hours on radio. All right. Uh, talking to Certainly pop- not in one of our hours. No, no. I mean, <laughs> if you're not tuning in before the happy hour, I mean, that's your best shot at some smart, your best some shot. smart t- uh, yeah. talk radio. Um, listen, uh, one of the stalwarts here in San Diego is um, no longer going to be, and that is Glenn Hoffman, who has uh, decided to step down and uh, take on a position in the front office. He's really one of the last guys from from that era of, of Padres baseball that uh, I think everybody remembers. But uh, our, our 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 brothers in the morning, Ben and Woods, uh, had uh, actually Ben and Paul. That's right, Woodsy's out. So yes. excuse me, Ben and Paul uh, this morning had Glenn Hoffman on to talk a little bit about uh, the situation that's in front of him, and obviously the big question. I think everybody had was was what led it to the what led to the decision to step down as the third base coach. With everything going on, um, I had talked with AJ earlier uh, before the season, and uh, said I don't, I'm just going to go year to year and see how it goes. Um, and that's what we did with the with that season coming up with the corona and everything else that happened. Um, I knew that was probably going to be my last year before the season started and uh, just the way things played out. And 
uh, it was such a great year and an exciting year that uh, I felt like I didn't want to take it take it from the players or anything at the end of the year, and I knew it was going to be my last few games, and because uh, it's all about the team and everything else, that's why I waited until now, a little time after the season, to to announce it that I was stepping down. Uh, there's some factors going into it that are, are uh, not only baseball, but uh, things in my life that uh, I wanted to move on to and uh, also to stay in the ball. And I was happy enough that, uh, or lucky enough to, to have the opportunity to stay in the organization because uh, I just feel it's uh, uh, going up, up and up and on the rise and uh, what, the players accomplished this year it was just fantastic i'm surprised he didn't say that he was just a little tired this year because he had to wave a whole lot more runners into score than he normally does <laughs> yeah he did he definitely did but offensively they were much better it was it's been a while since he's had to to move his arm around yeah. like that i mean yeah. uh, but listen it's it's for me it's just it's tough to hear him uh that he that he's gonna be moving up to the front office i mean even though I'm not playing anymore, every time I've really paid attention to the Padres, Hoffie's been over at third base. You know, yeah. when I was here, and how many years? Fourteen. Fourteen right? years yeah. um, at at third base. So obviously, uh, one of the familiar faces will no longer be. But he's going to get to stay around the game. And listen, I, I think um, he mentioned it a little bit with everything going on, some things uh, that he wants to get to in his life. This whole COVID thing will put things in perspective for you, especially when, um, like, those guys, it's they're dealing with it, like, every day. When they get to the field, they got to take tests. They got to do the whole thing. So yeah. they're, they're never really removed from it. Um, and, you know, that could that could wear on you over, over a period of time, Chris. Yeah, I believe so. And you mentioned also the fact that uh, he lives in Orange County, yeah, uh, which is probably another – reason why you know that drive can even without the traffic the same as it was can that can wear on you after a while so you know 14 years is a long time to do anything yeah so yeah. uh you know he did a great job uh, i thought somebody brought up something that i always think about with glenn hoffman and is that and because i watched him do it a hundred times and that's him waddling from the padre dugout <laughs> over to the third base coaching box oh Without question, Glenn Hoffman does have kind of a funny running style. It, Sorry, Glenn, but well, what you have, you have. And uh, I just, I'm going to miss kind of seeing him waddle over there. He gets yeah. a, a good gait in his uh, in his jog over to the third base uh, box from the first base dugout. Yeah, it is excruciating watching him run. <laughs> his his knee is all kinds of jacked. I was going to say, how did he play? He played major league shortstop. He did. He wasn't like you know, this isn't like a guy that wasn't much of an athlete. I, I know he wasn't a Hall of Fame Major League shortstop, but he was, in fact, a Major League shortstop he was. for the Boston Red Sox. He was. So, uh, you know, you got to be a pretty good athlete to be that good and uh, make it to league, that though. level, sure. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn Hoffman's obviously had some leg or you said knee His issues knee, over yeah. the years. Yeah. Because cause the run is not, I'm sure, the same as it was when he was playing out at Fenway Park. No, it, it, can't, be. <laughs> it can't, can't be. There's no way he was going after ground balls <laughs> no, like that. It can't be. It absolutely can't be. Uh, and, and listen, you mentioned it. 14 years is a, is a long time. Uh, not a lot of guys stay in one place, especially a third base coach, uh, stay in one place for that long. But uh, he did. And he was asked how he stayed. Uh, how he was able to to keep that longevity at the third base coach position? Yes, he was, and he thought no. About but it. through the changes, I mean, uh, 
when I came over here, I was excited. And, and I mean, what a, what a privilege to come and be a part of San Diego in the baseball atmosphere. And uh, at the time, uh, I got to spend three years with Trev uh, as a teammate for the first time in, in my career and uh, with him in baseball because the age difference. And uh, then as a transition, when he left, uh, I stayed. Uh, Buddy Black became the manager after uh, uh, Bochi. And uh, me and Buddy were together for nine years. And we went through the, the ownership change, uh, uh, GM changes, uh, and then uh, survived the next one with with Andy Green and uh, then with Ting coming on. Uh, it's in good hands. Uh, the thing about it is that the, the fan base, the ballpark, the new ownership, uh, it is so nice uh, what's going on with San Diego. Yeah, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. This is this organization <clears throat> for a while now has been moving in the right right direction. Well, they have a uh, a tryout for third base coach. Like, yeah. will they line the guys up out there <laughs> and start a runner at second base and hit a ground ball to the outfield and see how their judgment is? I mean, this is one of those jobs that you have to be really, really good at. I mean, you have to dis- make split-second decisions, and it's pretty important that you get those right. But I, I, you laugh because you're right. I don't know how you would judge this. I don't know right. how you would have a have a ha- have an audition for the role. Somebody who's been on the field uh, at that level, uh, they're gonna. They've already said it's gonna come from in- internally. Yeah, right. So, uh, I they won't. I'm I'm positive though they won't have an actual tryout where they're oh, on, the, they <laughs> on the field. All right, here's Wayne Kirby. Wayne, <laughs> let me see how your waving style is. <laughs> It'll be interesting. Wayne, to see. I don't know if I like that arm wave. Hang on a second. Let me bring somebody else in. It'll be interesting to see because that spot uh, usually has you want somebody who's at least experienced it or done it before. So we'll see how that goes. We may have some more uh, comments from from Glenn Hoffman later in the show. We got to get to break. When we come back, Dennis Paulson. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Former PGA Tour player will join us to talk all about the Masters. This is Gwen and Chris, San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3. All right, welcome back to Gwen and Chris. 3.36 is the time. Of course, Masters wrapping up day number two today. A lot of golfers still out on the course finishing up their second round. We'll update you on the scoreboard in just a little bit. But joining us right now, former PGA Tour player, one of my favorites, and a San Diego Stater to boot, uh, Mr. Dennis Paulson uh, is our guest here on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. Dennis, how are you doing today? 
I am awesome, and how are you, man? It's a Friday Masters week. I'm looking forward to uh, a beautiful weekend. I sent a, a selfie of myself with my dog laying in my lap today in the Barca lounger and sent it to my wife, and I said, the struggle is real. <laughs> a lot more of that this weekend. Yeah, were you up at uh, 4.30 for the early tee times? I mean, you're a golfer, so that's nothing, 4.30 to be up. Yeah, right? I start I start and work early. So I, I went on the air today at 7, so I was up at 4 and probably downstairs in in my you know studio at uh, to do the show at probably 4.30 to watch the stuff that was going on early. Give me a little, uh, just kind of an overview of what you think of the first couple of days. Obviously, I, I won't say obviously because I don't know golf that well, but it seems like the rain helps uh, it soften the greens a little bit, maybe helps these guys score a little bit better. Uh, Tony and I were kind of kicking this around. It always seems like there's a couple of guys the first two days that are around minus 10, minus 9, minus 8. And then the winning score only winds up being like minus 10, minus 9, minus 8, because over the weekend, for some reason, it always seems to get a lot tougher. It's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen, because I know that this is kind of, since you don't play a ton, I won't try to put it over the top of your head or anything, but <laughs> the greens are a little stressed. And when they're perfect, like remember a couple of years ago when Sergio kept spitting it back in the water at 15? Yes. And it just... You know, you hit that layup, and it just kept spinning back, and he made like a 10 or 11 or whatever it was. That just isn't going to happen right now because the greens aren't tight enough. I'm sure you've played golf on a bent grass golf course in the summer where there's a little bit of color to them, and you take a divot, and the whole green just kind of explodes. The divot's in pieces, shrapnel everywhere. That's kind of what we've got this week at Augusta because they had so much heat coming into the golf tournament that the greens were actually strapped. They're mm-hmm. not used to being played. They would have kept them long and soft this time of the year because the membership normally the golf course opens around november 1st but they had to have the course ready earlier to be ready for this date for the golf tournament so in that sense the greens can be fast and they're going to be pretty smooth and with the ability to tap down spike marks they're going to be okay but they're not the perfect surfaces that you would expect at augusta and it's got nothing to do with anything it's like you know what are the two things that are undefeated and that's father time and mother nature there's nothing you can do even with all the money at augusta you can't do anything about those greens even the sub air doesn't suck the water because you you want to cool the greens but if it doesn't get cool at night you're not sucking cool air into the greens it's got to get into the 60s for that root structure to really get down there and for the the uh the, the greens to get healthier and have longer roots they get short and all of a sudden they blow up and that's what you're seeing a little bit at augusta where the players they don't have to worry about backspin or forward spin. They just need a number. What's yeah. the number to the hole? Cal- calculate all that out. And how many guys use a C flying at pin high and the ball's not doing a whole lot of anything? Yeah, the shrapnel is a good visual because I, I saw so many guys in that first day hit the green and it just, as you said, the grass, the pieces of grass are going everywhere. Uh, or it plugged even. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, let me ask you about Bryson DeChambeau because he mm-hmm. has been the talk of – uh, the turn, at least coming into the tournament, he was the guy everybody was looking at. He is bombing drives, but as we as we're learning in these first two days, it, the you, the rough and the out of bounds area isn't your friend, and he's found himself in a couple of those rough spots. Just break down what you've seen from uh, Bryson DeChambeau early on in these first two rounds. Well, in the first round, he played really bad. I mean, he really didn't play very well at all, but he got away with two hundred par. I think he was pretty happy because he didn't hit it very good, and then. With what happened today, with the bad shot that he hit it to, 
and the you know he he ended up making birdie, but he hit a poor nine iron, and then the, the shot that happened at three where he lost his golf ball, and and hopefully people don't bash Bob Bryson for all the stuff that he said to the rules official. He was very nice about it. He was asking exact same questions that I would have been asking. Wait mm. a minute, this should be ground under repair, but it's Augusta National. They don't paint their golf course. There's not a white line out there. You got to get an official to give you relief from something. On the PGA Tour, I would bet money that that area would have been circled just in case. You're flying it over a hill. You don't see it land. He can't say where it landed. He right. couldn't tell because it's, you know, up over the top of a ridge. And he was looking in the general area, and it was sloppy as heck right there. He lost the ball in an area that was should be or could have been marked on the PGA Tour and most likely would have been. And if it wasn't marked and everybody agreed that the ball was in this general area, not only would they have given him some sort of a drop, but they would have put a white line around it afterwards, but mm-hmm. not at Augusta National. So it's not against Bryson. It's just the fact that that's the way they do everything there. Um, and and so I think that fried him pretty good. Yeah. And I'll, I guarantee you that he probably had a positive conversation with a rules official because Ken is on the PJ Tour. He knows him really well. And he probably said something like that. He goes, man, if we we're on the PJ Tour, that would be marked. And Ken probably said, yep, you're right. And that just – Probably irritated him more. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then the other little things happened. They hit that great shot. No one had reached the eighth hole in the entire day today in right. two. <laughs> right. And what's he do? He hits an iron in there like four feet and yaks that puck. Yeah. So that added fuel to the fire too. Um, I, I Honestly, I thought he hit some decent shots today, but it's the first time I've seen a frustrated right. Bryson DeChambeau. Even when he made the 10 at Memorial, it was just a stupid – you know, string of events on one hole. And I think he learned a lot from that. It's like, man, I lost it there, did something stupid, and it adds up pretty quick when you don't pay attention. And he was hanging in there best he could, I think, until that putt that he missed at number eight. Mm. Dennis Paulson, uh, former uh, PGA Tour player, finished 14th at the Masters in the uh, 2000 uh, Masters tournament, so he knows Augusta well, joining us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. Uh, just, I, I do want to follow up on Bryson DeChambeau, not to talk only about him, but do you like him? I mean, just in general, not the guy, but what he means to the game of golf and hitting the ball so far, et cetera, et cetera. Is he a, is he a good guy for the game of golf? Because he seems to be a bit polarizing right now. He's a total idiot. No, he is one of the <laughs> nicest guys ever. He is. I'm serious. He is one of the coolest and he's a guy that I gravitate towards. You know, I, in 1985, I won the Long Drive Championship. So that national thing, this big thing now, it wasn't that big back then, but I won that. So I was a long hitter on the PJ Tour back in the day. And I'm intrigued to see where he's going with this. And I play one-length clubs like he does with my irons. And I ran into him this last year, and I met him at Chambers Bay at the U.S. Open. It was the first time I met him and hadn't seen him in years until this last year, early in the year, when, when he was going through the process of hitting it so far. And I was talking to him at uh, Waste Management. And I said, Bryson, i got to apologize to you. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, I've, I've been dog-cussing you and, and bad-mouthing you for about probably almost a year about playing one-length clubs because I thought they were stupid and all this other stuff. And then I said, you know what? That's really crappy of me because I've never even tried it. And I've tried mm-hmm. it now, and I think it's the most brilliant thing ever, and I want to thank you, and I want to apologize first for – thinking that it was a stupid idea. And to be honest, I think you're about well, the only guy that's at a disadvantage because you're using such a long wedge that your shortest club in the bag goes too far, really. Right. You know, I mean, think about if the shortest club in your bag went 120 yards. How little <laughs> options would you have 
if that's your shortest club in the bag. So um, we after that little conversation that we had going from 9 to 10, I'm like almost every hole behind the green, I'm calling putts. He'd look for me, come over, and we'd chat going to the next tee. I mean, cool. I will really, really, truly enjoy his company. I think he's a br- – I don't want to say brilliant. He's a smart guy. He He's he's. I don't want to say overthought it, but I don't think he's left a single stone unturned on this yeah. process of where he's trying to go right now other than the fact that I don't know where the end game is. And usually most people that have an idea of what they want to do have an end game. And I think there's going to come a point where you just get too muscle-bound, and I think long hitters are better off being cornerbacks than linebackers. Mm. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it gets to a point where you get so big, you actually become slower, and you lose your position, you know? You were a shortstop. Well, you got too big, dude. Now you're a third baseman or a first baseman. <laughs> right, you know, th- right. those are the things that happen. And I think there's going to come a point in time where he might get a little too big where the chest is in the way. But he plays golf at such a high arc. He plays above his chest. So his chest doesn't get in the way right now. It'll be interesting because that's the only thing that I criticize is like, you got to have an in game. You got to have a point where you think, okay, this is as big as I want to get. Can I get leaner? keep my strength and can I increase my speed now from that point I think that would be a better way to go and he hasn't said one way or the other yet yeah it's been pretty remarkable for the amount of weight he said he's put on and him for it to maintain that flexibility through his swing I, I think yeah I think it's been pretty remarkable let me ask you a little bit about Tiger what are we to make of, of Tiger because the the three or four tournaments tournaments we saw before this he didn't really look good at all and then he comes out yesterday shoots a a minus four and he's even right now through as they go into the clubhouse. Uh, what have you seen from him? Um, I was, well, I got egg on my face earlier in the week. Cause we do on our show, we have all kinds of prop bets and we have a guy that bets a lot. One of our, our producers likes betting all these funky little, is there going to be a double Eagle? And, you know, there was a bet 25 to one that for Tiger to have a bogey round in the opening round. Wow. He asked us on the air, should I take that bet? I go, dude, no chance. No way. (laughs) I'll give Tiger four holes. Four holes before he makes his first bogey. You know, he always starts off. Right, right. You know, right after that, I made a joke. I go, you know what? I've only played in 13 majors, and I led after the first round one time. And I don't think he's ever led a major after the first round. I might That might be the only statistic on the planet that I'm ahead of. He's won 15, and I've only played 13. But he actually led at uh, best page one year, so we know he's got at least one after the opening round. So, I mean, the only time you're wrong about Tigers is when you underestimate, and it's a lot like Phil not playing any good. Right, right. And both of those guys, they get to Augusta, and it's not really a fan of youth. It just engages them and with all the knowledge that they have going around that golf course. They just seem to play well. I would have, I would have expected Phil and Tiger both to make the cut, but I would not have expected – them to be anywhere near the top 25 just be like a couple under par you know like right. living around 30th but he's surprising me the one thing i will say tiger do something about your hair man it, <laughs> i've, been, I've been saying the but same thing dennis he's what, in that weird what's spot that thing in the back what's going on? It's like a field goal that's upside down or something I don't know. <laughs> 
I can laugh, but, but I can't really comment with my hairdo. So. I mean, we're friends, so <laughs> that's why I say that. He's a good human being. And, uh, you know, I don't know. The back of my head might look bad, too. I never look at it. Yeah, neither do I. <laughs> nah, it's looking good. As far, as far as you know, Dennis, looking very good. Uh, last guy I want to ask you about, appreciate the time, but our fellow San Diego yeah. State guy, Xander Shoffley, uh, who's, you know, quietly in the running here. He's three shots off the lead as he uh, has played 12 holes today. Uh, everybody says, they're not everybody, but a lot of people think he's going to be the next guy to break through. Uh, is he good enough to win this weekend, or has he still got a little work to do? No, man, I don't think he needs – he just needs something good to happen. I mean, he he's that guy. I said when we came back, you know, from the pandemic, kind of the break, and, and uh, got to start playing again, and we found out that we were going to have six majors basically in this calendar year, I went on, on – and I said, you know what, I think – What's going to be really interesting, and the story will be that every single of these six majors will be won by a first-time major winner. Mm. And I've got the first two because yeah. we had more the first one and Bryson won the second one that hadn't won majors before. So I'm trying to stick to that theme this year. And I had Rom. I picked Rom at the beginning. That was my pick on Wednesday to win it. And I put Xander at second and DJ at third is wow. what I picked for Not this bad. week. So I really think. Xander's going to get there. I would love to see it be either one of those guys because I think John Rahm is just way too good, and he's going to have plenty of majors. I mean, he doesn't lose golf tournaments. Think about all the times he's had a chance and someone's just beat him, you know, or he's hit some unbelievable shot to win. What he did at San Diego, what he did at the BMW against DJ with a bomb that he made there. Um, it's just he does special stuff, and Xander's the same guy. He just doesn't make mistakes coming down the stretch. Yeah, he might get beat. But he doesn't beat himself very often in big moments. By the way, on John Rahm, uh, we had an argument on this yesterday. The shot that he hit skipping across the water for the hole-in-one mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Scraby, mm-hmm. our golf expert and producer, said, eh, no big deal. It was just a practice shot. Wasn't that a big deal? <laughs> or it was Scraby yeah. correct that that really isn't a big deal, that he skipped the ball across the water and made a hole-in-one? We in do one. that every year. We do it every year. I mean, that's just it's a, it's a tradition that everybody does. You go up there. Now, now, I would say not every single player does it, but a lot of the players do it, and they're, they allow the caddies to also hit that shot if okay. they so choose. Um, what was impressive to me is that we used to hit it more on the downslope of the lake, closer to the water. He was, like, on the flat. It didn't even look like he was on the downslope. And so he basically hit that below the earth's surface, you know. I mean, he hit it down so yeah. much that it, it dove, and, and then it climbed up there. I've done it two different times, and I've hit it on the green, and I hit it just it skipped over and got through there. But we used to skip balls, and I shouldn't say this, but we used to have a coot problem out at the club that I grew up at. And we used to take one irons and just rip them as hard as we could across the water uh-huh. and skip them and try to get a coot you know, <laughs> right. in the ponds. But So I've done – I've hit that shot probably 50 times minimum in my life, but that was back when I was 10, 12, 14 years old. Well, for us mortals, I thought it was a pretty remarkable shot. Uh, it was. It was a great shot. The, the big question is, do you count that as a hole-in-one, though? Because there was no T-marker. It was just a shot. You know, it was a it was a hole-out. Hole-in-ones, personally for me, have got to be on par threes that aren't par three golf courses, and they got to be from a T-ground, t- t- right? Ah, team ground. I see. Okay. And he didn't do either of them. You just gave our producer a lot of ammunition, <laughs> and I'm sure during the break he's going to say, I told you so. <laughs> All right. Hey, Dennis, thanks for the time as always, and uh, catch us up again where we can uh, hear your show. Yeah, you got it. Um, uh, we're on um, 7, 7 to uh, 9 a.m. Monday through Friday.
Okay. Um, on SiriusXM. Okay. DJ Tour Radio. And uh, tell him this, though. I guarantee you that John Rahm felt more proud of that shot than the hole-in-one that he made earlier in the week on number four, which was like from 230. There I you go, felt better Scraby. about the one at 16. Yeah, so, take that. Take that, impressive. Scraby. All right. Hey, Dennis, <laughs> always you, Dennis. great catching up with you, man. Take care of yourself. You it, Keep the back of your hair in order, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, let's. we got to get the – Put a hat upside down and get some money together for Tiger to get a haircut. Help him out a little bit. All right, we will. Thank you. Dennis Paulson right there, former PGA uh, star, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, guy was number 26 in the world at one point. That makes you a former PGA star in my book. I don't care and, what he did. His energy is awesome. Oh, he's great. Love Dennis it. Paulson, we've been lucky enough to interview him for years and talk golf with him, so fantastic. All right, let's check traffic real quick with Kelly Danik uh, before we get to the top of the hour here. Okay, guys, we know it's Friday the 13th, but you don't need to rise to the occasion. Numerous accidents already on our roads this afternoon. Northbound side of the 805 at Bonita. Looks like a big rig and car involved there over to the right. Up ahead on the 43rd Street off-ramp, another crash. Couple cars involved in this one. Northbound 163 at the 805. Three-car accident blocking the right lane. Looks like there may be one car leaking fuel. Traveling on the westbound 52 just before Finita. We have reports of a bunch of debris in middle lanes. And northbound side of the 15 just before the 8. Someone's dropped a bunch to drywall in lanes. Looks like it's mostly between the bus lane and the fast lane. In the North County, dealing with the crash on westbound 78. This is just before Nordahl Road. couple vehicles involved in this one. They are in the center divide. North 5 coastline, right at Las Flores. Off-ramp crash involving a cement truck and a couple cars. I'm Kelly Danik with Gwen and Chris, San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Man, that was a lot of fun with Dennis Paulson. He joined us on the SDCCU Fan Hotline. Double payback days are here. Use your SDCCU debit or credit card, and you could win up to $1,000. No purchase necessary for details. Visit SDCCU.com. I've always enjoyed uh, talking Dennis Paulson or, or talking golf with Dennis Paulson. Fun having him on the program. And, uh, by the way, real quick, before we get to the top of the hour, we did our uh, Fantasy Masters golf picks and, uh, you know, right now, Tony, our golf expert, Mr. Scraby, is teaching you and I a little bit of a lesson. He's he got should a, be. He's a golf expert. Yeah, he's got a pretty nice lead. His five golfers that he chose are combined minus 28 right now. Uh, your five guys are minus 21, which is pretty good. I'm coming for you. And my five, guy, <laughs> my five guys are only minus 15. But things can change. In a and, heartbeat. And remember, the rules are that you end up taking your top three golfers and adding together their scores. So we'll see how that all turns out. But right now, Scraby's got the edge on us uh, on our golfing picks. Uh, fantasy football picks, that's later in the program. Coming up next, a round of Chris versus the fans. Uh, Chris rebounded yesterday, but uh, that doesn't mean he won't suck today. We'll see what happens. Uh, 833-288-0973 if you want to play some trivia and have a chance to get yourself qualified for that Vegas trip. Call us now, and we'll play uh, trivia next on Gwyn and Chris. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.